0: okay today i want to take a look at a kind of a deeper look at the text that i sent you guys about famous last words uh, i've kind of preached on that before in this church uh, when we talked about the famous last words of paul to timothy as he was imprisoned in second timothy in rome this time without really signifying any hope of getting out you'll notice when you read through the books of timothy um, Paul in the first Timothy kind of gives, uh, expectation of being out. And, and he does, and he, I mean, we're going to go through that, but he kind of writes to Timothy and, you know, I plan on coming to see you, blah, blah, blah. In second Timothy, he doesn't do that. There really isn't any hope really of getting out. Uh, I think he kind of knew this, this time. And so the famous last words thought, is extremely important in this book. Uh, famous last words, as I put in the text that I sent out to you guys, is, listen, you, you really need to, to, to understand and feel this with me, okay? And try to put yourself into the place of Timothy. Be very empathetic, if you will, as I preach this sermon to you today. And put yourself there. Put yourself in the most vulnerable position in your mind that you can put yourself in, spiritually speaking. If you've ever been there or you've ever done that, um, I I have been in places like this, in places in my life. Almost like a child would feel vulnerable without its parents. That panicked feeling. You ever ever been out with your kids before and, and seen one of your children and think that they were lost? They thought that they were lost. That's the kind of feeling, spiritual feeling, that Timothy is probably getting. Because the same panicked feeling that a child gets when its mom and dad can't be found and they don't know where it's at and I'm lost. Is that same kind of feeling that Timothy would be having spiritually because, listen, he was being put in a situation that could cost him his life. Okay. He had a deep love for Paul and for Jesus Christ. And he was losing his mentor, his shield and everything that he held dear to him. Now it was all being put on him. And, you know, you can kind of feel that, you know, the older that you get, I think you lose that a little bit because When you get to be my age and older, you get set in your ways and you really don't need anybody. I mean, you need people, but you're already done your thing and you're there and you know what life is and you know what kind of to expect. But, you know, for for people coming up for the loss of a dad or a mom or both parents can be absolutely devastating. And you lose that shield, that comfort, that resource that exists in your heart, that that place that you have that says, I can go to if ever something goes wrong. That is the feeling of security is is what this gets down to. There's, There's probably two words that we should look at very carefully, and that's security and conviction in this sermon. And I'm going to write that down just so I don't forget it. But conviction and security. I got conviction already wrote down in here. But these two things that you have in your heart and in your life is something that is very important to you. If you didn't have security about your life, you probably wouldn't do half the things that you're doing. You probably wouldn't go on that vacation. If you didn't have a feeling that, you know, my job's going to be there when I get back. That's a security feeling or that I'm not going to have any money. Okay. When you don't have that security, especially as a Christian and a young Christian like Timothy was, it can scare you to death and leave you in a state of panic and leave you almost in just this this place of I'm in a hole kind of a thing and scare you into motionlessness, And that was the last thing that Paul wanted to happen with this young pastor was to have him so scared that he just gives up. That he doesn't know what to do and so he stops. And so he just lets the church collapse. He didn't have anyone that we know of that was more qualified that he would have put this responsibility on. And, and the reason that he does it is explained in the first several verses of this scripture here in 2 Timothy. The very reason why he places this burden of the church and its existence and its behavior and its faith and how it should be ran and who does what and who doesn't do what is placed on Timothy for the purpose stated right here. He said, Timothy, in chapter uh, one, verse three, or I'm sorry, chapter two, make sure this chapter one, verse three, Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience. That's very important. That's a whole other sermon. Just as my ancestors did. Night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again. For I remember your tears as we parted. That's very important. And I will be filled with joy uh, when we are together again. Remember, he said, listen to this. I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. That's why he placed the burden of the church on Timothy. Now this long to see you again thing. He longs to see him again. But he doesn't make no promise that he will. The reason and purpose of the placement of the church is Timothy Timothy's faith. The one thing that will cause you to survive, even placing your life in peril, is your faith. And that's the only thing that will save you. Faith will put you into action when fear is trying to control you. That's why the Bible says, the spirit of fear is not of God, but love power and a sound mind love first power and a sound mind they will rule the day over fear fear says you can't do this fear says you're gonna fail and it's gonna be big consequences fear says you're losing no matter what you do fear says i'm gonna take you out and everything with you Fear controls you. Faith compels you. Faith compels you to move forward in the face of fear. Courage is not the absence of fear, but doing the right thing in the presence of fear. And faith causes you to have that. So there's two things. Conviction and security. Security, you need this. Faith gives you security. If you don't have security in what we call in one of the doctrines called assurance. Assurance meaning this. When you're assured of something, what is that? I assure you, Tom, that if your car doesn't start today, you will have another one today to replace it. I assure you of that. No matter what time or day it is, that gives you security. Because you have assurance. The type of biblical assurance that I'm speaking of is God saying to you that, listen, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age, end of the world. That's assurance. The assurance that Jesus gives us when he says, I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's assurance. Assurance. Assurance saying there is no weapon formed against you that shall prosper. That's assurance. And your faith compels you into that assurance when you have true faith in Jesus Christ. If you have a generic, liquid, kind of see-through faith, if you will, in Christ, then you have no faith, you have no assurance. Assurance evades you. But when you have this kind of biblical faith that Timothy had, Paul knew that his faith would compel him through all the perils that was going to face Timothy. And he gets clubbed to death, by the way, later on. He dies a martyr's death. Timid Timothy. Most all biblical scholars and theologians agree... That Timothy was a very timid type of a person. He was non-confrontational. And he was kind of shied away from that kind of thing. And there are people that's like that. And that's okay. But Paul liked that quality about him. Because he wasn't overly aggressive. But he let faith, his faith was strong enough to get him through this. And faith is the real substance. It is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that are not, that is not seen. Faith is the, is the power that moves us and keeps us in the center of God's will when all hell is breaking loose around you. When everything looks terrible and bad and overwhelming and you feel anxiety and anxiousness and you feel like you can't get her done, faith moves you through that with the assurance of Christ's presence with you. Now, if there are things in your life that keeps you from that, if there's something going on between you and God and things isn't good, you might lose your assurance. And you need what's called redemption. Redemption to be redeemed, to be forgiven for mercy and grace to exist in which God is abundant in. But in this particular passage, Paul was thinking to himself, you know, I need to engage Timothy. I need to remind him of the faith that he has. I need to tell him how that I love him, how I believe in him and how I'm I'm laying this on him because I'm not getting out this time. I'm not going to make it. Famous last words. Conviction. When you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, what happens to you is you develop what's called convictions. Things on a hill, a hill that you will die on. Things you just won't give up. Things you won't let go. Things you won't say or compromise with. That's conviction. And when you love the Lord and when you're saved, you develop convictions. Especially the longer that you serve God, the more in love that you get with God, the more devoted you become with God. And this is the one thing that's missing a lot in the church today is true devotion and true love of God. True love of God and true devotion will cause you to be a worker in the church. It will cause you to serve God in multiple ways in your life. But when you don't have devotion and true faith and and true loyalty to God, it is a very difficult life and many things can wipe you off your feet. He says here to him, he says, I remember your genuine faith. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. And this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. What that gift was? Pastoring. Preaching. But a gift was imparted to Timothy. And Paul said, listen, you need to do something with it. Fan it into flames. That means we have a responsibility to use our faith to grow our spiritual gifts. These famous last words. This was true, so true for Paul. Because in this letter, you can detect Paul's love for the church. He loved the church so very much because he loved Jesus Christ so much. You can't love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and hate the church. Listen, folks, you can't do that. When you know God is your beloved Savior, that He's your Lord, when He has given to you grace and mercy and, saved and, being, uh, and, and, and salvation, when you have been given these gifts of God and He is in your heart, your love for God will make you love the church. And this was Paul. The Bible says if the love of the brethren doesn't exist in your heart, man, you've got some issues. You're, you're probably not saved. Because how can a person see their brother in need and not give to them and say that they're spiritually endowed with Christ? So Paul had a true love for the church and a true love for its existence and he was very concerned because even though Paul's faith told him that Christianity would go on, he could see what was happening in that day. In that day, there were people coming into the church who was teaching false doctrines. All kinds of demonic things. The church, it seems as if, it seems as if the church of Jesus Christ is so apt to swallow every evil thing that comes to it, it's almost amazing. There should not be 5,000 different denominations within the Christian faith. God was not confused when He wrote this. There are some folks ain't right. There shouldn't be 12 Baptists, 13 Pentecostals, 14 Holiness than the Episcopalian and the Lutheran. and and There shouldn't be that. There is one word, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one blood. That's what the Bible says. One. This isn't, let's make a deal. This isn't God saying, saying, up in heaven, let's make a deal. God's saying, this is the deal. There's one way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes unto the Father except by me. One faith. Did you hear me, church? Everybody say that with me. One faith. One faith. One blood. One baptism. One Lord. And I like this part. That's in you all. That's what it says. Just like Kentucky. In y'all right one not five thousand faiths there's this people say well the bible can be interpreted many ways yeah if you're jacked up it can be interpreted many ways if you're being wrong about looking at it yeah if you want to change it to make it fit your lifestyle yeah i can take anything in here and make it fit my lifestyle but the bible has one meaning it has one doctrine it has one doctrine and usage it has one absolutism to it and that's it That's it. It's not many ways to look at it. There's one way. Because how can you say that, Pastor Jay? Listen to me closely, closely, you who received this podcast. God is not the author of confusion. He will not tell you one way, then tell me a different. That's called confusion. Then who's right? God is not a liar. The Scripture says, let every man be a liar and God the truth. That's what the Bible says. God did not lie. People who received this podcast, there is one way, not many. That's shocking to a lot of people that Pastor Jay would say that. Because I I believe that I don't have to go to church. That's because you're wrong. (laughs) right? No, you don't have to go to church. You You can stay home and go to hell. You don't have to go to church. No, you don't have to go to church. Will God save you? I'm telling you this, that you're out of His will. You want to know why? Because the Bible says, Jesus says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That wasn't a, hey, if you get a chance. No, that was a command. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Now, I don't know how that can be interpreted any different then forsake not. Right? Can I get an amen somewhere? Yes. Amen. Well, I can believe I can be saved at my house. Well, you can. But if you love the Lord and you get saved, you're going to want to do what He says. Because how can you call Him Lord when you do not do His will? How can Jesus be your Lord? Lord if you never do what He says. Well, that's a fascinating thought these days, isn't it? Listen, Paul was these famous last words. He knew what was going to happen. Now, looking forward to where we're at, I think we would all agree that we're living in some very perilous times. Spiritually speaking. Take the shot. Don't take the shot. COVID-19, is it that bad? Is it a pandemic or isn't it? There's debates everywhere. You're living in a time and a day when the government wants to control you and take total totalitarian control. Trying to think of this one saying it says, absolute power corrupts absolutely. When total power is taken by one person or one entity, corruption happens. You become a subject and not a citizen. So I say to you, as we get more and more socialistic in our society and more totalitarian, and we can see Christianity as being under attack in many different ways, I say to you, as Paul said to Timothy, listen, timid church, you better get some backbone about you because we're about to face some pretty hard times. You better have some convictions. That hill that you will die on that you won't give up. You know, you're not taking this hill. I've retreated far enough. This is as far as I go. Do you have that spiritually speaking? Do you have that? Do you have enough of Jesus Christ into you that when you're backed into the corner, you say, listen, I ain't going anywhere. This is my line in the sand and you're just going to you're just gonna have to put them up because I'm coming at you. You're going to have to develop some tenacity with the love of God in your heart. Some stand strong, some grow some roots in your faith to quit retreating because there's coming a day. I do believe this and as it was in Timothy's day, Paul knew in his heart, Timothy was doomed. Timothy was, these was in the days of Nero and probably this was Nero's persecution of Paul when he was going to kill him. And 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 Christianity was the Christians were being hunted down and killed on a regular basis. So to be a Christian pastor and to try to could, could you imagine how Timothy must have felt? His mentor was dying, his shield, his comfort, the person that he went to with all of his problems to get advice from. This was an apostle of Jesus Christ. This was an office not held by any other person or ever would be. There are no more apostles like that. This office had to be be those who dwelled in His presence. And He was losing that. Losing that in the middle of a world that wanted to kill you, persecute you, hate you, and do all kinds of manners of evil to you. And ask you to give up ground on every motion, on every turn. You can't do this. You can't say that. You can't go here. You can't do that. Do this, do that. Listen, you're going to have to stand on your heel and say, this is where I die. Spiritually speaking, folks. We can't take in doctrines of demons. And I can only imagine how Timothy must have felt. He was timid in nature anyway. He was probably scared to death, Linda. Oh man, I could almost I could almost feel him, really. The, the thoughts of him. I can almost feel it like, you know, as if I was him 2000 years ago and, and getting and reading this and going, oh, my goodness, man, Paul, man, what are you doing? God, why are you taking him? I need him. I can't do this. How am I supposed to keep this church together when they're getting killed left and Right. When they're being crucified, their heads are being cut off. When they're being pulled into pieces and when they're being thrown into the, 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 the theaters of Rome where the lions are eating them up and the crowds are roaring and, and they're being split open and pigs eating their entrails out as the Romans would dump corn in their belly cavity and the pigs would be released that was half starved and come out and eat the Christians. How am I supposed to tell people they've got to remain faithful? When of their own free will and accord. And these days people listen. It's difficult for people to come to church. Just for selfish reasons really. To be honest. Oh, poor Timothy. What, what, do you think that he, what do you think that he thought? I mean I can almost. Can, can you imagine? Now I'm going to have to make all these decisions for the church myself. How am I going to do that? Oh my God. Help me Lord. The nervousness, the being scared, the being overwhelmed would be unimaginable in young Timothy. We're in that same place. We're in that same place. When a church has to write a memo stating for religious purposes people don't have to take the shot if they don't desire then you're starting to see a strong hand above you forcing things on you that won't end with just a shot. We know this because the Bible tells us so. People say, well, don't take this too far, Pastor Jay. Well, then you haven't read the Scripture, my friend. Because if you read in the book of Revelations, it talks to us about a strong hand above us, about people following orders to persecute you, to starve you out, to take away your ability to buy and sell, you're gonna to have to stand on your hill of conviction and just die on it if it be if it becomes that. A day's wages for a loaf of bread, the scripture says. Talking to a woman who was our friend who was in occupied Nazi Germany, she was actually in Holland, who was occupied by the Nazis. She has since passed away. Margaret Shismansky, who worked in the lunch lines up here, of, and, and one would ask, why would she work for 60, 70 years as a lunch lady in these school systems? Well, the answer is easy to that, because she knew the value of food. She had to steal bread to live from Nazi wagons as it was coming through her town. Only to be, if she got found, to be shot and killed for it. Why do you think she served them children food all them years? Sure wasn't for the money. She stood in that lunch line up there. She served my brother, my oldest brother. She served my next oldest brother. She served me. And then she worked with Tammy. She served Emily. She served Kyle. She worked with Tammy. How many years is that? You know why? Because she lived in an era. She lived in a time of an antichrist. Adolf Hitler. Who took this from people. and, And... Try to employ the same socialistic society that's being put on you today. Do I think it's possible that this kind of thing can happen today? Absolutely, they can't get people to work. There are companies that's closing down right now because people will not come back to work because they're throwing out the extra dollars to keep them on the federal dole in an effort to close us down. If you don't think this can happen in America, I'm sure every Roman thought that too. Flu shot, no flu shot. You know what? We were just talking this morning at breakfast. Do you know that there's been a flu shot around for 78 years? And listen, we still have the flu with us. So what's that tell you about COVID-19? There is no vaccine. And there won't be one. We can't stop the common flu. So listen. We are living in perilous times. Without a doubt, we need to be careful not to get caught up in Satan's worldly affairs and listen to his false doctrines. You might see other churches capitulate and give in. But you be strong in this biblical church. I admonish you, every person here, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. It's not by physical means that we fight. But by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by strength. Not by might. Not by your ability to go out and kick somebody's hind in. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. You need to fight this spiritually. Spiritually. You need to to be ready for the spiritual warfare that's at your door. Not coming, but it's at your door. Are you ready to stand for your convictions as we talked about them? I want to take a closer look at something and I'm going to close this. He says this to Timothy. I thank God for you the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Listen to what Paul says. Listen to the love that Paul has, not just for Timothy, but for the ongoing church to prosper, to be okay. He says, I'm praying for you night and day, constantly remembering you. I long to see you again. For I remember your tears as we parted. Timothy actually had tears when Paul left the first time. That tells you something about the nature of their relationship. The love that they had. It should be easy for us to love people, especially the people of the faith. Because we share a Lord that inundates us all. The relationship that the church has with each other the members of Jesus' church, is much different than the world out there who doesn't know Christ. The world out there has a satanic bond with each other. We in the church, once you get saved, and I don't care what denomination you are because you just probably got stinking thinking and been taught some stuff that ain't right. But when you get saved, the Bible says, we share, we have been engrafted in We are Jews engrafted into the promises of Abraham. We are one in Christ Jesus. He tells us this in the book of John. He tells us that we are one, they are one with me as I am one with you. So there is a special bond that church people should have with each other. A love and and a devotion and a loyalty that you should share with congregation members that are truly saved. This was happening in the relationship with Paul and Timothy. And they knew it was going to get rough. They knew it was going to get rough. So I'm going to tell you this, and I'll I'll stop. To be ready for the war that's at your door. To listen to the famous last words of an apostle whose love for the church I I believe was greater than any other apostle. The other apostles loved the Lord, I know they did, and they gave their lives for him. But Paul was over and above. From the grace and the mercy that he had received from God after trying to destroy the church. I'm telling you, when you have been forgiven of such a great sin, something that could have destroyed you forever, when God has forgiven you for something like that, it creates a great thankfulness within your heart for God. The problem is, is you don't know the depths of the sin that you were saved from. You might not have been the alcoholic. You might not have been the the thief. You might not have been the adulterer. You might not have been the murderer. But you, my friend, was destined to the same hell as they were before Christ saved you. And that should create within you a thankfulness above anything and everything you could ever imagine. A thankfulness that would, that would compel you to want to love God and do for God. Grace and mercy extended to you through the famous last words.